Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Thank you for being here today as we continue Love Runs 2. Who? Me. You. The city. God's so interested in the business of restoration. The word restore means this, to bring one back to his or her original state. Where's our original state? With God. Pure, perfect. That one day, God's going to bring us back there. Holy, without any type of blame, ridicule, worries, concerns, stress. So if you're in this place today and you brought some of those things, praise God. Because you don't have to carry them. And I pray today that you would leave them at the feet of Jesus. And the, yeah, the world, the world's real good. They'll put some more back in your backpack. But then we'll come and we'll leave them at the feet of Jesus. And so we have that access daily. So we've been looking at the life of Jonah and how God calls him, runs right to him, and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, this great city. The city's filled with crazy behavior that makes me sick. And, and, and there's judgment that's coming there. And Jonah... He does, like every bad prophet or person of God, uh, he runs away. And we've all been there. God says something. We're like, God, just save me, spare me, and I'll serve you. But we run away. And Jonah's seen God move, but yet runs away and uh, realizes that he's on a ship because he's paying to run from God. And he's on this place with a bunch of sailors that are pagans. They're not serving God. Uh, They recognize that they're experiencing turmoil on the sea because of God's servant that's in disobedience, Jonah. Jonah says, just throw me over the sea. They, the sailors, get saved because God saves unlikely people. And then uh, Jonah gets thrown into the water, and God unlikely provides for him with a great fish, swallows him up. Jonah chapter 2, he radically repents. Meaning he's prolific in how he repents. It's not just enough to repent, but be elaborate in the display of the repentance. You could say, I'm sorry, and just move on. Look, no one wants to hear it like that. I want to hear it, right? What are, you, what are you sorry for if you're really sorry? Well, God isn't hoping that we lay it out there like that. But when we recognize what we've done, we are repented. And so Jonah has that moment. And God, here we go, chapter 3. He's going to spit them out on land. This is just crazy. And you're like, wait, did you just say a fish swallowed a person and spit them up on land? Uh, Yes. And um, is it literal? I, the more I study, I think yes, and here's, here's why. Because in that city, there's, there's a uh, worship of, of a pagan god called Dagon. And this pagan god is like the fish man. Uh, you'll see here. They, 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 they worship the fish man. Because people are always inventing new things. You know how people say, well, all roads lead to the same god. No, they don't. Like, that, that's impossible. One god says, eye for an eye, and one says, forgive somebody. Those are two different things. Those aren't the same mountain. One God says that if, if people are handicapped, that they're born um, it's for, that way because of their past life and they have to serve that punishment. What? That, that, that's not the same God, right? And so God's going to show up and show off because he's going to say, look, it's not the same God here. Because God is always in the business of showing up all these other gods. He's always has been. 
And so maybe it'd be far-fetched for you to believe that any such miracle like that would happen. And um, I like how one very smart person, because even smart people recognize eventually you're going to have to jump for an element of faith. Okay, so whatever your worldview is, there's faith involved. So you get all the way to, you're studying where you're going to go. And you get right to the end of it and you're like, oh, there's a faith jump. There's a guy whose name's Eric Metaskis and he says this. He says he studied different worldviews. He went to an Ivy League school. Really smart. They made fun of him for being a Christian. And he started studying. Am I the silly one? Or are you the silly one? Because you're putting faith in the system that I don't see enough evidence in. But he started studying Christianity and he said the jump was, was the smallest faith jump of all the other worldviews. They were asking him to jump so much further. Just believe that we've speculated this based upon our study. And, and I liked how he put it because it's really uh, challenged me. Because let's be, I, I want to know too. I wish God always, we, the whole age-old argument, if God's real, why does he not just show up in the sky? Well, there's a, something like that in the New Testament, and it says that they didn't listen to the past prophets. They're not li- going to listen again. And in fact, watch out, because when a God shows up in the sky, it might be the Antichrist. And so there's a battle going on, this good, evil, this crazy mystery. It's the sci-fi movies of all times. And here's what you have. This guy said it like this. Christianity is a small faith jump. It's not that hard to believe in miracles like this because the hardest miracle to understand would be how we're even here. So to start believing that somehow a miracle could happen isn't that far-fetched because first we are here is the greatest miracle that we would ever try to even try to fathom. And so just to even exist is a miracle, okay? So you have to understand that today. You are part of something way bigger than yourselves. I saw a, a little tidbit lately that a guy who's, former Nobel Peace Prize, he says he can prove that energy after you die goes somewhere and exists forever. He says he's basically saying your soul goes somewhere and exists forever. That's why it's like in us. We, what's more? What's more? Well, there's something so deep going on because God wants to save the city Nineveh and he sees that they're worshiping the wrong God. And so he's going to come, he's going to send Jonah, he's going to say, go speak. He's doing this miraculous thing. And then we pick up the story in chapter 3. And at the very beginning it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. I don't do this often, but look at your neighbor and say, second time. Second time. Say third time. Say 500th time. Here's why I say that, because God's been showing up for you and me, not once, not twice, but about five kabillion. If you just do it, God, I'll, 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 now I'll serve you. Man, I'm so grateful for grace. Oh, my goodness. Jeez, old Pete's. Start all the way back in detention. If this doesn't happen again, I'll, God, please. I didn't even know what I was saying. God, if we just win this tournament, I'll, God, please. God, if I can just get out of this cop car, God, please. The stakes get a little higher. I get out of the cop car. Hey, God, please. God, please. What? If I could just date her, God, please. It never stops. What he's looking for is our hearts. He's looking for obedience. But when we understand how obedience works, we don't obey to earn. We already are in Jesus. Therefore, we want to. We get to. We don't have to. And so we thank God for his grace. So even how he shows up with Jonah, this, this whole book is just f- saturated. It's dripping 
with grace. God's provision, God's mission, God's story. And so the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Why is that so powerful? Because it's always begun and it's always going to finish with God as the hero of the story. It began with Jesus. Boom, it's going to end with Jesus. And so the word of God comes to us and we then respond. Uh, For us, you could probably insert your name for the hundredth time. And some of you have been running so long You're just running from the call of God. You keep saying, well, when I get there, then I'll serve him. I've heard heard that for anything. Oh, if I just get married, then it'll be easier to serve Jesus. Oh, if I just have more money, I'll start giving. Oh, yeah, just one more drink tonight, and then I'll quit, right? When are we going to stop? Today is the day. Today is the day. Let's think differently. Today there's power. Because not only does God determine that he can restore Jonah, but that Jonah's useful so that God can restore you, but that you're also still useful for the call of God. Because even in Christ, we can kind of walk with our head down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got Jesus. Let's go. God wants you to get your head up and walk a little bit more confident, like a king's kid, that you're a king's kid. Really? Yeah, you're a king's kid. Wow. Royalty, in fact. In fact, we get tabloids, you get to see Prince so-and-so married so-and-so. Cool. He ain't a king's kid. Maybe he is, but we are king's kids. You better walk with that type of authority and posture and confidence. I pray that for all of us right now. And so the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Now that great city can be interpreted, uh, people debate and speculate, meaning great city on size So is it because of size or is it the heartbeat of God? I think probably both. He sees um, the size and he also sees the potential. And the call out, I want you to call out against it the message that I tell you. Now this is super liberating. Because as I've over the years battled the call of God, and, and, and what I mean by that is I've definitely said, yes, Lord, send me. But over time, wait. Rappers aren't preachers, are they? When God first told me, you know, I want you to pastor. Well, I can't pastor. That's, that's a big deal. You got to know every word in Greek and Aramaic. You better know Hebrew. Seriously, you, you know, it has to happen. You have to eat locusts and, and honey. What do I do? And I held it in my heart. And some of my friends over the years, they looked at me and they said, I think you're going to pastor. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I think one day you'll pastor. I didn't even ever tell him. When we were out in Philadelphia with uh, Pastor Brad Leach and sitting down, and he was recruiting Crystal and I to come to, in our family, to come to Philadelphia, be a part of the team. He looked at me in the eyes and said, have you ever thought about planting a church? And I said, it's probably the only thing that I think I'm really supposed to do. He said, great, let's do it. And then that got us to our birthday today. And as you think about God's grace, there's a wrestle with it sometimes because he calls us to do adventurous things that uh, we don't think we're equipped to do. He doesn't always call the equipped. He equips the called. And I remember I had this moment when I was, uh, went to back one of these alleys that we used to hang out and, and just party at. And I was just sitting there and I said, God, what's different about me? He said, Nothing. He says, your life's been bought with a high price. How do you determine how I use it? Go. 
And so I'm like, all right, well, game on. Got back in my car, and I get it. That was a sequence of events that said, okay, I'm not going to let insecurity, I'm not going to let worry, I'm not going to let any lack insert anything. And so hear me loud and clear. Of course, there's a preparation. Absolutely. Um, but there's not something that says that I'm unqualified until I get to a certain place. Only God determines that. And then as you submit to the process and leaders and pastors and elders, they were able to shape the call and send me out because here's the point here is this. The message has never been mine and it's never been yours. It's a message of God's good news that he uses through imperfect, broken vessels. And so God says, you, go, speak. This message I give to you because the message isn't your own. You know, you got the news, the reporting things. Or what about the weatherman right now? They're reporting a lot of things. I wish they were reporting more of the relief efforts, but a lot of it's the danger because that, that helps, you know, uh, drive views and rates and uh, gets all that going. Um, but as you stop and think about it, they don't go buy you an umbrella. They don't even buy you a plane ticket. They just tell you how hard it's going to be, give you the, the dangers, the warnings. That is comforting because we are just mere messengers. And if they don't receive the message, well, you're, you're mad at the, the, the origin. You're mad at God. So, so a lot of times they kill the messenger, but what they're really killing and they're mocking is God. So that's comforting today. So if you've ever felt that you weren't fit or I'm not good enough, lies. Because it's not your message and your life's not your own. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, go on a day's journey. So the word's probably traveling. This fish man is now preaching, and here's what he's preaching. And Jonah began, and he called out, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, that doesn't sound too comforting. What kind of God is this? What's the backdrop? God, what's the narrative? Who are you? Why are you pronouncing this judgment? And if we read it just on that sentence alone, we could start to get a tone that's God's judging and he's, bah. But it's not that he's judging for no reason. He has a purpose because he's trying to bring redemption and purification and love. And I would think if you heard that message He'd say, okay, let's kill that dude. And then um, forget that God. Because who do you think you are coming into this great city, Nineveh, and trying to mess up our flow? Don't you know what we got going on? We got casinos. We got strip clubs. You think you got judgment? We run this place. You could think that would be the response. That's how exactly most cities would respond, most kings. Who do you think you are? Because Jonah, he doesn't even come with a team. Why that's challenging is because God doesn't always have to equip you with a team for you to do what he's called you to do. You're not responsible to answer to somebody else. You're responsible to answer to God for what he's called you to do. Whew! Because as we go, yeah, yeah, that's good. Jesus, that's challenging. Because here's why. Hey, thanks for the go home. Here's why. Is I, along the way, the more I've loved people and I've learned about myself, it's hard. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard to love, 
and you're really hard to love. <laughs> so I think, you know, of course I'm really hard to love. Are you kidding me? But it's really hard to love people. And you could start to think, well, if no one's come with me, I don't have to go. No. In fact, you have to go regardless because God called us. God's our coach. God's the one that checked us in. God's been the one saying, I want the run to happen. The race has to happen. And here's a great verse that shows that. It's Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. For the gifts in the calling of God are irrevocable. That could feel like torment to some. In others, it could be such a beautiful picture of truth. You say, God still wants to use you today. He still sees you as a youthful, uh, useful, fit instrument to be played by him for his glory. And so as Jonah's coming, here's what he's basically saying. He's disrupting their view on their daily activities. Because it's pretty much like every society where eat, drink, be merry, and make, you know, have a lot of fun, and uh, just, hey, that's like every rock and roll song. It's like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Let's just, let's just do that all the time. That's what this great city is about. But yet, life is short, but heaven is forever, and that's basically what God's pronouncing. Wait, there's something greater than your drinking. There's something greater than the issues you face today. Something greater than the challenges in your school and that individual that keeps making fun of you or knocking you down or that marriage that's so difficult or that coworker that just gets underneath your skin every time you see them. I know you got their face right now. <laughs> Forgive them. Here's why. Because heaven is forever, forever Epa, 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 epa. Forever. Epa, epa. It is ever. You know, uh, Francis Chan has this illustration he uses where it's like a, a piece of a rope. And then you think, okay, here's my life and the rest of the rope represents all of eternity. And if we were to kind of take that illustration and use it on the stage here, we just say this one plank, uh, this wood piece here um, that represents the stage. This represents your life. You get this one little piece. It's cool. But the rest represents all of eternity. Which one are you going to live for? It's an easy um, statement, but in the moment, it's kind of hard to live. Very challenging. And because we are either thermostats or thermometers. We're either changing the temperature in a room or we're just reading the temperature in a room. I felt this recently. I was out. My buddy was getting married. And we went out, just grab a burger real quick. And it was about 10 o'clock or so. So we go to uh, just a bar and we're hanging out or in, in Grand Rapids. And so things are starting to get lit. You know, people are turning up, turn up. You know, the weather's nice. And, and um, girls are out and everyone's out. They're, you know, people are yelling stuff. And, and we're in this bar just looking around. It's like, wow, it's been a minute since um, I've been in this setting. Um, and I'm just like, what in the world? And I re recognized, let's say if it's like a Jesus juice cup, my cup was at 100. And then I started recognizing maybe my cup was down to like 33. So how did it get diluted so quick? What is going on in here? And there was a difference that I noticed. It's because I didn't come in that place to be intentional. I just came to eat a burger. But then I started recognizing how crazy it is. And, and I'm so thankful for God's grace to feel what was happening. No, it's God's grace. But here's the thing. Sometimes we can't even feel it anymore. Here's why. We've gotten so numb. We've let it get diluted to a point where, oh, everyone's like this. No, it's not God's will. 
This is a certain restaurant I ate at uh, several times, and I would go there, and um, I remember thinking, the food is incredible. One time the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, are you here for the food? Are you here to just partake? Are you here to invest in love and be intentional? I think this is Christians all the time. We're like, oh, did you see this new restaurant? This go, we don't even think. What are they promoting? What, what's their reason? What do they love? And then that shouldn't cause us to now pronounce judgment because now we're in a, we have a, a message that's so purifying and all hope and all power where Jesus says, go to the ends of the earth. Behold, I will be with you always. So we walk in that place as King's kids, a little bit more confident, ready to eat, ready to partake, but we're intentional in our thought process. It's so important to be intentional because we'll be led astray so quick. So quick, we're prone to wander. That's why we need the shepherd. Because heaven is forever, but life is short. The people of Nineveh respond absolutely contrary to how I would think. In verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least of them, the people of Nineveh repent. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Now, this was a customary um, symbolic meaning of an inward expression. So as they have sackcloth on, you can see this picture here. They'd also, in the sackcloth, they'd have like black goat's hair. So it'd be really coarse and very difficult to, you know, wear. You wouldn't keep it on. Uh, you wouldn't want to keep it on for a long time, but they would because it's, it's just saying, oh, oh, I'm grieved at my sin and my issue. Wow, I've messed up. I think we're prolific at getting by as quick as possible, so we never have to fully accept responsibility for what we've done. I get it. I'm sorry. Okay, bye. Can we just move on? My boss, I was late to work one time, and he looks at me. He's like, great, great, great. You're late. Okay, awesome. I would never relate to work. So this conversation uh, was, was disturbing. <laughs> he said, so what are you going to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? I'm like, okay, tough guy. Um, I'm going to set, set, set my alarm earlier. What about if that alarm doesn't work? I said, hmm. I'm going to get an alarm, second alarm. And I'm going to put a battery in it with one of those ones. I'm going to have two alarms every time. That's what I'm going to do. And it sounds so funny, but what I was realizing was um, I, my heart probably wasn't in the condition that it should be in order to effectively uh, respond to that moment in the gravity of the situation, even how he felt. So he must have felt, you know, that his job was threatened. Uh, things weren't taken care of. He trusted me as an employee. So it was a challenge, but... To respond in the moment with deep humility, man, God responds to humility. And I know it's hard to say I'm sorry. But as we looked at Jonah 2, how elaborate he was at saying he's sorry, the, the depiction, oh, my heart's grieved. We don't, we, here's the beautiful thing, in Christ we don't live there. We have freedom. But at some point, come on, we have to recognize what sin is. It's, it's not right. We're getting diluted. God's love wants to fill us up in such a way that when we know, there's a famous quote by C.S. Lewis, says, the closer I got to God, the further away I felt. And the essence of that is because he's so holy and perfect and I'm not. 
And that's what makes you worship even more. Wow. Thank God for grace. I'm a king's kid. He knows what I thought about. So powerful and so beautiful. And so they're responding with deep, not just the people, but also the king. We're going to, and here's what's crazy. They're repenting and they don't even get a promise. Because when Jonah came, he didn't even say, and you get to go to heaven. Everyone repent today. And you get to go to heaven. That sounds like a fun deal, right? Repent, heaven. Okay, thank you. Say sorry, heaven. Yes. Can I pray the prayer? You know, right? And I get it. The prayer is, it's important. Public expression, important. But sometimes we got to stop and think, what am I wanting? Jesus or do I just want his benefits? Do I just want the gifts or do I want the giver? Do I want the relationship or do I just want to feel good when I want to turn him on and off? Genie God. Hi, genie God. I get my three wishes. Absolutely not. You get it, right? God wants us. It's the whole purpose of repentance. And so repentance is like two sides of a coin. Faith and repentance on the other side. Where it, it's impossible to please God without faith. So that's why the jump is there. But yet, the other side of the coin is repentance. Because as we always recognize what faith requires, we're like, man, my old life. And that's why we can say, my life's been bought with a high price. There's no place, no area, no person that I can't love. Because that's what God did for me. And so this is what they're doing. The whole city's starting to repent. They don't even know if there's going to be a benefit. They, but God, he turns his ear to humility. He does. Maybe you struggled your whole life with being super stubborn. Maybe today's the day there's breakthrough. And you could represent and look like the king in Nineveh. As we think about um, Lansing and the backdrop here. This great city. When I say Lansing, I mean 517. I mean, the whole place, because this is the Jerusalem God put in our face. This is the message he wants us to bring here. The message of his love and his kingdom here, now. If not you, then who? And if not now, then you tell me, when? And so the time is now. It is the Jerusalem in front of our face. There's the scripture that says that take, you know, the good news, you know, spread it all everywhere, make disciples. Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so sometimes we can think it's sequential. Okay, check that off. Okay, Lansing, I got to go to another city. I got to go to another city. No, what that meant is your city right in front of you and the gospel will spread for the people that will take it to other places. But there's going to be families that have to bloom there that show what my love, my passion, and my countercultural kingdom looks like right there. Wanting to move to other places, I, I felt that temptation oh so often. And God would challenge me. He said, so you're going to go to some other city and make it sweet. Or try to. Or you think you're sweet. But yet, if you look right in front of your face, 60% of African American boys aren't graduating high school right in your backyard. And by the way, you're now in the top 10 for the most violent cities in America for population under 200K. And, and hey, by the way, you know, there's like uh, about 60 weed shops. And, uh, and, 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 and it's because they're looking for hope. And there's nothing. Hey, if you smoke weed... Dude, more power to you. But, but the thing is, sometimes it's just, it's, it's, just a, it's just a medication for the real calling that we have in our lives because God's trying to lock destiny. Now, for a lot of people, hey, medicinal, tight. Like, like it's like a Norco for your back or something, whatever. But it can't be a mask for what God wants us to do. Because we can hide, we can isolate, we can run, and we can do everything to quench the presence of God. Is this what our city is known for? And I kept thinking, well, when's somebody else going to change it? God's like, 
when are you going to do what I've called you to do? Hence, City Life Lansing becomes this narrative of you belong here. And here's the crazy response. It says in verse 7, um, there's, there's this issuing, a proclamation, and published throughout Nineveh. So the paper goes widespread. This is Mayor Benero saying, look, we need to uh, repent. And here's how we're going to do it. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. In verse 9, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Apart from Jesus Christ, that's the destiny of us all, perishing. Everlasting separation from the thing that can make us most free. And that thing is not a thing. It's a real person, a real being. It's God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's the good news. The bad news, perish, sin, rejection, separation. Good news, Jesus did it and he offers his life freely as we exchange our life by faith. But we do that by turning and repenting. The backdrop is we think of, how do you even love a city? Um, how do you love Lansing? How do you love DeWitt? How do you love Grand Ledge? How do you love Hazlitt? You know where it starts, and it's always been the same. Love runs to me. It starts with a repentant heart in me. That God would leave the 99, like the song sang today, and he would find me. He would rip down every wall, every barrier, every mountain. He would find me and give me new worth. I hope that's what you're saying today. He would find me, and you would start saying, he found me, and he gave me worth. Because here's what the response of God was. In verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Miracle. We pray for miracles, don't we? Right? We pray for miracles. We believe in miracles. We do. Sometimes we, you know, you could see somebody get healed. Or maybe, oh, this person got their eyesight. Do we believe, though, when we're praying that the greatest miracle would be for somebody's soul? When somebody repents, that is the greatest miracle ever. Ever. You can look in the Acts when the first miracle is that the, 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 the people are being, the day of Pentecost, that they're speaking in other languages, but what's the miracle? Is that they're hearing good news. And what do they say? What must we do to repent? Now, others said they're drunk. But the crowd that got in would start saying, wait, we need to repent. They're preaching something. The messengers are here. I'm hearing it in my own language. They're, they're, they use the Godfish man in this moment. They're reaching me. Something crazy is happening. Because the greatest thing has always been the good news of Jesus Christ. A sign and a wonder always points to him. We don't want to be a crooked and perverse generation that just seeks a sign and a wonder. I pray that we're the people that still believe repentance is the greatest miracle ever. Because sometimes people don't always get healed. How does that work? I don't know. I know this God's desire is to. But I know this, that he works all things 
for good for those that are called according to his purposes. And we've seen that happen. Haven't you seen that in your life? That sometimes even the tragedy sometimes brought you to the triumph? That the pain brought you to the gain? Didn't that happen at some point? The exchange happened? And so now we, we come in this place and we say, well, I, I don't know. I'm still a work in progress. Well, welcome. WIP. Let's whip, you know, let's whip our hair back and forth for Jesus. Be a work in progress. Do something. It's like, I ain't perfect when I'm here. Oh, God, money, can you pick me up? Yeah, I don't know. And maybe, maybe you, you've been doing this thing a long time. You can't help close the gap for somebody else. See, the gospel isn't this equal part mission. And what I mean by that is it's not 50-50. It's not you do your part and I'll do my part. What that means, that, that's, that's just like, that's so shallow. What it means is sometimes I might have to carry 95% of the workload and you're going to be all bummy carrying five, but I'm so grateful we're on the same team. And other times I'm carrying five, but you're carrying 95. It's crazy, isn't it? So this is how it works. We start to be intentional on how that love can run too. So the message that Jonah brought was one of, of, of judgment to say, hey, wake up, wake up. I'm trying to get your eyes off the temporary things and on the eternal things because you're going to answer to me. And I love this because this is the nature of the heartbeat of God. And this is where we're going to close next week. The nature and the heartbeat of God is restoration. It's not condemnation. Sometimes we got to ask what gospel we're preaching. What good news are we preaching? You're going to hell, sinners. You know, look at that place. This is a dump. If they would just repent. Da, 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 you know, what? Wait, wait, wait. You're not Jonah. In fact, why don't you look at how Jesus did it? Let's continue the greater Jonah, and we get to Jesus. What's Jesus start saying? Hey, come here. Bring the sick here. Bring the outcast here. You know, he says when he says, let the kids come to me. You know what that meant? The kids would be one of the lowest tier members in that society. So think of the most marginalized people. Those are always the people that Jesus is equipping. Well, and then you'd say, well, what about if I don't feel like the most marginalized? Oh, no, Jesus had a crazy things for those who were radically equipped in this earth. Paul, Pharisee, leader of leaders, great schooling, great background. Apollos. But the heartbeat changed so they understood the mission, the intentionality. We're not just coming to partake anymore. Yeah, we'll eat. Yeah, we'll hang out with you. Yeah, we'll throw the ball. We'll watch a game and we'll do it to the glory of God. But we have a mission so much bigger and that's why we come together to champion and to remember that love is always worth it. It always is. You will never lose investing in people in the love of God. Period. Maybe you've been in this place. You feel like you've been losing. I, I get it. You're losing. You don't see the return on investment. You've been investing in somebody or something and they're going sideways. Look, keep doing what's right. The right thing is always the right thing, as one person said it to me recently. The right thing is always the right thing. Always. Always. Love wins, friends, because that love is Jesus. And we come to Jesus broken. We put our sackcloth on, our ashes, cover ourselves, even our whole household, and say, God, please have your way. God, please have your way. There was a time when um, uh, there, somebody wrote about the high lancing size on, on uh, you know, high lancing. It was like just so mad. Well, I don't want our city to be known for that. And uh, 
It's like, okay, cool. Like, and we all do this, so just know that it could have been me. Like, let's just say I wrote that. I, I'm making fun of myself now. I'm like, oh, cool, buddy. Uh, so you, you, you saw a problem. What's your solution? How cute. Like, you're good at prolifically describing the problem. You ever been around that? Yo, you're so good, armchair quarterback. It's just amazing. You could definitely throw that pass. <laughs> you know, it's for sure. It's just all you, right? It doesn't mean we can't have critiques, but I think we talk a little bit too big. Because then you got to stop and say, well, who's going to walk it? I see it as a, a Batman signal. You know what I see, Lancey? I see that as, oh, you want us to come and tell you about something that's higher than the high. Oh, you want us to come? Oh, a house needs help? Oh, you want us to come and tell you about the house that we can live in that will last forever? Jesus said, come. I prepare a mansion for you, right? If it was not so, I wouldn't tell you. But it is so, so therefore you can abide in me. Oh, you're thirsty. You need food. Okay, great, great. There's water that's everlasting. Heaven is forever, friends. Heaven is forever. Life is short. So here we come. Uh, Jerusalem, Lansing, the 517. Here we come. We're going to put our best foot forward and let us be the change we want to see. And we're not naive. A week doesn't solve everything. It's just a part of the story that's happening all the time. All the time. You guys are God's secret agents out all the time doing exactly what he's called you to do in your jobs, your workplaces, uh, you know, interacting with those people right there, at home, you're, you're, you're being used by God. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I, right now I feel um, a conviction for us that we, we would repent. Who are we? That we could be counted worthy. God, we're sorry for putting you on the back burner. We don't even know how. We even know where to start. Some of us have gotten so prolific at doing what's wrong. We don't even know how to do what's right. But may it just start today with saying, have your way. Maybe we'll start using Google to, to study, to get equipped. God, I pray that every person would hear you cheering them on. You're calling them by name today. Calling them to run. And that each one of us will do our part. That it'd be more than a week. It would lead to life change in people's lives for the greatest miracle ever, repentance. God, we're grateful for how you inspired us with the redemption of people's hearts in Nineveh. And we pray that that would take place right here. That kids that maybe have no hope, that are out thinking, how can I party? Where can I get a gun? What do I have to do? That they would start to think, how can I use my life to love people? That somebody with influence and power would start to think, who's the one person I can train and mentor? And that broken person in this room would feel, wait, okay, it's going to be hard, but I'm a king's kid. And I can pray that way, be confident that way, be free that way today. That girls in this place would not need identity from any person to give them attention or affection and that they would be free 
Maybe they never had a dad, so it's hard to even envision that you are a good father, but you are God, the father to the fatherless. And I pray right now, every person would feel that. God, make us into the family that looks like you, that closes the gap, that stands up for the oppressed, that champions uh, those that do justice. God, that asks for forgiveness, calls out what's wrong, looks for new leadership techniques. God, there's some difficult situations in this room, frustrating things. Uh, It's either relationships with individuals, even workplace settings, that, that we need new strategies. We need to know what you want to say. You gave Jonah a specific mission. We pray that you would give each one of us our specific assignment in some of those areas that are really tough right now. Maybe it's where we don't even want to go. Make us soft and tender again. Help us see the one. Help us see the one. Help us see. And as Andy Stanley says so famously, do for one what we wish we could do for all. Thank you for your grace that's in this place today and your mercy and your love. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.